We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. I want to introduce you to really two great friends. Can I introduce you both of y'all? Yeah, Julie and Matt Hattaball. Somebody tell me, where did they minister? Where did they minister? Lebanon. Lebanon. Somebody tell me the name of their church. Can y'all do that? Go church. I love it. Go church in Beirut, Lebanon. I just want to, I want to put, put it on you today. They are going to be talking about their ministry, but Pastor Matt is going to be sharing his heart. And I want to just, I want to tell you what I know about his heart real quick. His heart is he is for the nations He is for the next person to coming to Jesus. His heart is not full of fear. God told him one day to go to the other side of the world. And he said, guess what we're doing, fam? That's the kind of person that is going to be in this place ministering to you. Who needs that kind of ministry speaking to their heart today? A heart where you are no longer afraid. A heart where you find the will of God and you just surrender to it. And you find, find Him using you not to just touch a few people, but to touch entire generations. One of my favorite things about Pastor Matt is he is not just going to preach the gospel, which is so powerful in itself. He is raising up other people to preach the gospel. That's next level, guys. That's next level. Right now, can we hear it for them? I want them to come and do the rest of this service in Jesus' name. Let's honor these people. I love them with all my heart. Love you guys. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We are are so honored, so honored to be here with you this morning. We're so thankful for your pastors. So excited to be here on Pastor Sarah's birthday. Yay, everyone. I know you're so excited for that. But we're so thankful for you. You know, your prayers, they minister to us on the other side of the world. They make doors open. They make opportunities to share the gospel open for our family because you're there with us. And it's such such an amazing blessing. While the worship team was up here worshiping, the Lord just kept speaking into my heart. He kept saying, Ishtamea. Ishtamea. And that means it's a meeting place. This is a time of meeting. And maybe you came in here today and you're looking for Jesus the healer. Maybe you're looking for Jesus the redeemer. Jesus, your salvation. Jesus, your father. Your Lord. Your provider. Maybe you're looking for him today. I can tell you, he's here. He's here. He's here to meet you. He's here to meet you where you're at. It doesn't matter what you came in the door with. You don't have to leave this place carrying it. It does not belong to you. He says to come to Him, to cast your cares on Him, and that He's going to take them away from you. That means that you have to come in and give them away. So I expect you today... Whatever it is that you're carrying, whatever's happening in your life, because we all have things, give them to Him. Because you're yoked with Him and His yoke, His burden is light. And it's easy. And He wants to carry it for you. Now, one last thing. I know you guys see me up here and I'm wearing one of these. And you're like, what are you doing wearing one of those? You know what? The most important person in this church is the person that's standing at the door. And when someone comes in, they say, hey, we're so glad you're here. That's how I came to church. That's how I came back to church. It's because someone saw me. And so I want to encourage you to see people. It's so important to see people because I promise the person that saw me didn't say, well, that's a missionary that's going to go to the other side of the world that's going to minister to unreached people groups. That's a missionary that's going to go and train leaders. That's going to create a multiplication effect that's just going to continue to reach further and further. So you have the power to change generations, to make a generational impact. And I believe that that's going to happen from this place and from the new location. From this church, raising up leaders that are going to go out and they're going to make an impact in Plano. And they're going to reach into Frisco. And they're going to reach into Burleson. They're going to reach all the way to Waco. They're going to go all throughout Texas. I believe that that's going to happen from this place. All right, now I'm going to give my husband the microphone, because if I don't, I'm going to keep going. Amen. You want me up here for the, for the camera? Or? Okay. No, no. Hallelujah, that bears witness with me. Is that good? 
Bless the Lord. We are so privileged to be here. I'm uh, such a fan of your pastors. They encouraged us when we needed it. And um, that's important. It's important to be in a position to be used by God to lift people up. If you read the New Testament, you see that's a description of what spiritual people do. The Bible says that spiritual people bear up, lift up, and help others. It's because we need it. <laughs> Amen. And I'm very thankful for I'm very thankful for your pastor for doing that for us. I uh, I have some things in my heart tonight, and I want to share with you. Um, what I have found is that where um, where people will receive the gift of God that ministers carry, the Lord will show up and work. He'll do things. And the word that Julie shared, that's an Arabic word, ishtimea, means meeting. That word is uh, a prophetic promise. It's not just for tonight, but it is for tonight for you. So this isn't just a time for you to hear stories from the people on the other side of the world that live in the Middle East. But this is a time for the Lord to touch you. The presence of the Lord is in this place. And if you, you don't know anything about Jesus, let me tell you this. When He comes in the room, He changes everything. He makes all things new. That's who He is. That's what He's like. So tonight I'm just going to endeavor to speak. And as we do, as we talk about Him and faith rises... He'll start speaking to you. You're not limited to what I say or what I know. Because the great teacher, the Spirit of God, is here to activate the Word of God in your life. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we turn to you tonight. We give place to you. We give place to the gift of God on this ministry. We give place to the working and moving of your Spirit. And Lord, I thank you that you, your will is done. We yield to you. We trust the Holy Spirit today to live big on the inside of us. And to operate and stand in the fullness of the ministry that you've called us. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Well, praise the Lord. I, uh, I want to make sure that I recognize uh, Miss Rhonda Swords. Rhonda um, is a big help to us in Tulsa. She uh, helps us accomplish things and do things here in the States while we're over in Lebanon, and she actually drove down uh, yesterday from Tulsa and picked us up and has driven us all around the Metroplex today and uh, is driving us back to Oklahoma tomorrow, and I'm very, very thankful. And not, just, not just for the ride, but for all that, for all that she's doing. And, uh, she's actually facilitating some... Um, strategic things that we're able to do with registering um, Go Church in Lebanon. So I won't bore you with all the legal structure details, but uh, she's, a, she's been a huge help for that. It's actually triggered some things that will really facilitate long-term growth. And Go Church Beirut is a group-centered church. We are now celebrating 10 active groups this week, 10 groups were meeting, discussing biblical discipleship, behavioral, behavioral discipleship, following Jesus on a practical level, and the reason that's happening is because of Redemption Church. And if you don't know that there's a connection there, let me tell you there is. There's a direct link between your church and what's happening in Beirut, and I'm thankful for it. We uh, just, I'll share this story. We, uh, years ago, a couple years ago now, what? 
gosh, it's four, four years ago, we, we met a young woman. She came to one of the meetings at the time. She was um, very disillusioned with her life, disillusioned with Lebanon, didn't know what was going to happen to her, didn't know what she was going to do. She thought, well, I'm just going to try to leave, leave Lebanon, get a job where I can, I can go work in, say, the Dubai or uh, Abu Dhabi, you know, and just try to make some money, get out of Lebanon. Someone invited her to a Go Church meeting, and the Lord got a hold of her. She dedicated, gave her life to Jesus, dedicated her life to Jesus, got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Today, she is training for the ministry. And her heart now is to leave Lebanon, but for a different reason. And to go into an area that Julie and I can't go into um, a world that's closed to Westerners, but that she has access to, and carry the gospel. Now that's, that's just one story, that's one example. So as we, as we look into the Word tonight, I want to turn to Matthew chapter 16, and look at a familiar verse of Scripture, but... As we do, I want to start asking this question. Are you hungry? I don't mean for supper. <laughs> but are you hungry? And really think about that before you answer it. Are you hungry for the things of God? Are you hungry to see a move of God? Are you hungry to see the Spirit of God? Like Isaiah says... What is that? Isaiah 63. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Are you hungry for manifestations of the Spirit of God? Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Um, familiar verse of Scripture. This is where Jesus asked the most important question. Who do you say that I am. The most important question and answer, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you are the anointed one of God. These words were spoken in an area right now that is hotly contested. Southern Lebanon, in the shadow of Mount Hermon, in what is now known as the Golan Heights. Jesus standing before this um, cave known as the Gates of Hell, where idol and pagan worship had practiced by Canaanites, followers of Baal. Standing in front of that cave, Jesus asked the question, who do you say that I am? You know, your words matter. Not, not who do you think. Not what do other people say. Who do you say? Who do you say? Peter said, you are the anointed one. That word Christ, that means anointed one. The one whom God has poured out His Spirit and placed His dominion. Peter said, you're Him. And in verse 18, Jesus said, I will build my church this is the Passion Translation. My legislative assembly. That word church, this is the first time it's mentioned in the New Testament. 
Jesus came up with the idea of church. Not a meeting on a day, not an event, but an assembly that governs and rules. Peter, who do you say that I am? Peter said, I say that you're the one whom God has put His Spirit in dominion. And Jesus said, right answer. Now, I am building a assembly for governing. An assembly for dominion. An assembly that distributes and administers power. Do you know what I'm describing? The church. He said, I'll build the church and the power of death will not be able to overpower it. The gates of hell will not be, overpo- will not be able to overpower it. Standing where Jesus was, right behind Him is this place of idol worship. The things that have bound men will no longer bind and rule over this assembly because I'm building it for dominion and power. Verse 19, I give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven, and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. March 26th of last year, I was uh, visiting a fellow pastor's church in in Lebanon. So this wasn't at Go Church. This was at another um, another church in Beirut. I was sitting, sitting in the back I had uh, some Bible school students that had come over, and I was introducing them to this pastor. So we were, we'd come in, actually we'd come in a little late, so we're seated in the back, <clears throat> and the service is all in Arabic. My Arabic, honestly, is probably like 70 or 80 percent. I mean, I can sort of keep up, sort of. Not like Julie. So I'm, uh, I'm listening. I sort of know what's happening. And I'm sort of wondering what's for lunch. And so I'm waiting for the end of the service. I'm thinking, like, what's going to happen? So after the service, I want to introduce these people to the pastor, see if we can arrange some things, then we've got to get them to the next thing that they had scheduled. They were there for a short time. As the pastor is preaching, the reason I'm sharing that with you is I wasn't expecting anything extraordinary to happen. It was just, just a Sunday, just a busy weekend, to be honest. And as the pastor is preaching, and I'm thinking about what's happening after the, after the meeting, I know none of you do that, but I was. I had a divinely granted experience and saw the Lord. This one guy said, what do you look like? Like he was in charge the Lord. John was on the Isle of Patmos in Revelation. John knew Jesus very well. But when he saw the risen Lord, John said, I fell as one dead. He is awesome. And He is Lord of all. The Bible says that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. I know that's true because when you see Him, <laughs> there's no question. 
they are standing next to this pastor who is preaching. I see the head of the church. And he was looking at everyone. And he looked at me. And he spoke to me. I had my eyes open. Just. He said, I'm here because people have been praying for Lebanon. He said, I'm here because the answer for Lebanon is in the church. And then he pointed to the pastor and he said, the answer for Lebanon is when this message gets in their mouth. Because your words matter. What you say matters. And in, in times of revelation, you know things just supernaturally. And he opened this scripture to me. The church is a place of dominion. And it is through the church that Jesus exercises authority in the earth. Now, many people will look at a, a nation, a situation, and they'll say, well, the government should do something about this. The problem is with the government. I'm still talking about Lebanon. Because, I mean, I don't watch the news. So I'm sure everything's fine here. <laughs> People think, well, the government ought to do something about this. You know what we need to do is we need to change the people that are in the government so they'll do something about this. That's not how Jesus thinks. He picked you. In this generation, in Plano, Texas, he picked you. Now, if you look at the Gospels, like critically, and look at like Peter, for example, or Thomas, would, would you have picked them? Would you have picked, would you have picked Peter? And in fact, after Peter denied the Lord, would, would you still go back and say, Peter, I'd like you to be responsible for feeding my sheep. But Jesus picked unlikely people. Thomas is probably thinking, I, I doubt he'll pick me. No, Jesus picked unlikely people. And you know what they did? In Acts chapter 4, it says, they turned the world upside down. He picked them. It, if you read the book of Acts, it's extraordinary. 120 people on the day of Pentecost caught fire. And without airplanes, social media, or the internet, they spread the gospel to the known Roman world in one generation under persecution. One uh, 
one man, he's uh, a student of church history, he said that uh, he would like to write a survey of that first generation of apostolic leaders and, and call it, they did it anyway. Jesus picked unlikely people. When Jesus was looking for someone to reveal, to reveal the truth of the New Testament, he picked a terrorist that persecuted Christians. Jesus picked unlikely people for what? To build his church. His what? His event center? The assembly where he governs, rules, and exercises authority. And demonstrates power. He is still doing the same thing. Jesus doesn't change. He's the same yesterday. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he picked you. I've shared this message with, with our, our leadership team. We, uh, you know, the, Julie was showing the name tag, how important those name tags are. We have lanyards, but our lanyards are smaller. But we're going to print new ones now. because <laughs> We'll see. <laughs> it's not a competition. But my iPad is probably a good size. <laughs> Those lanyards are important. The serve team, people that are serving, why? Because I'm, I'm, I'm an active part of something that Jesus is doing that affects not a particular event space, but it is how He intends to touch the world. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 verses 9 and 10, you can actually just note this down. I'm going to quote this from the Amplified Bible. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, it says that it is God's plan and His purpose that through the church, the whole of creation will come to know the manifold wisdom of God. Not, not one person's ministry. Not a miracle crusade. I thank God for ministries. I'm the product of ministries. I thank God for miracle meetings. I was at one last week. I thank God for it. But the plan of God and the purpose of God is that there is a church in the earth and through that church, the legislative assembly, the ecclesia, Jesus, the Christ, administers his authority and demonstrates his power. And here, that's you. So I started with the question. How hungry are you? You know, if you get really hungry, your behavior changes. How many of you have ever worked in a restaurant? Have you ever come across hungry people? Hangry, right? Hangry, this, this strange combination of hunger and irate, like impatience. <laughs> even, even Jesus, after 40 days in the wilderness, he became hungry, right? Because he was fasting. When you get hungry, your behavior changes. 
If you're at home, you start to feel the pangs of hunger, your behavior will change. No matter how interesting the Netflix series is, you'll get up, push pause, and move to a different place. Right? If you get hungry, you'll, you'll take hard-earned dollars and trade those for someone to make you a sandwich. Make me a burrito. Thank God for burritos. People ask what we miss when we're in Lebanon. Mexican food. <laughs> you get hungry, your behavior changes. But you know, what I have found being around churches, I grew up, I grew up in church. Uh, I grew up in a family, we didn't, you know, we didn't ask, are we going to church this week? It was, what time are we leaving? <laughs> Actually, we, no one ever asked that because we knew. <laughs> we, we, yeah, very early. Very early, and we did not sit in the back. My, my mom was, no, there's <laughs> no one sitting in the back. But uh, being around people, I'd, I'd hear a preacher or pastor say, are you hungry for the things of God? Yes, yes. What time is it? Hey, come on, everyone, let's, let's gather and pray for a move of God. Mm. I, I can't today. Hey, let's, let's stir ourselves up and just spend an hour praying in the Spirit together for, the, for the, an outpouring of God's Spirit. Um, just praying? Or is there going to be some singing? I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about like years ago in Indiana. How hungry are we for the move of God and for Jesus to use His legislative assembly that we have been called to be part of to exercise authority and dominion? Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds much more interesting than just hearing somebody talk. I'd love to come to church on Sunday afternoons and see miracles, signs, and wonders. Yes, I love that idea. Okay, how about him use you at Walmart or H-E-B tomorrow? Yeah, I think that's great. I think that's great. I remember years ago, this is many, many years ago, I was in uh, St. Petersburg, Russia, and I was on a, uh, a bus on my way to a Bible school. I was teaching in a Bible school. And I'd been meditating on the name of Jesus, the authority of the name of Jesus. And uh, as the bus made a turn, there was this very strange area where we had to make like three stops on the same block. Everything is big in Russia. And so... Where I was standing on the bus, I could see this kind of crowd of people that had formed, but I couldn't see what was happening. And the Lord spoke to me. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but just down here on the inside, like He'll speak to any believer, I just had this knowing. You know, like right now, you know what your name is, right? You're not like questioning, is my name really? or is it? You know. So I just had this knowing that I should get off the bus and go over there and pray for the person in that middle of that crowd. So I'm watching, I'm looking, the bus is coming up to a stop, and then I can see, as the crowd parted a little bit, I could see there was a man laying on the pavement. He's laying face down on the pavement. And I thought, well, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> There's like 
40, 50 people there uh, around. Uh, I'm not, I, I don't, I don't imagine myself jumping off the bus and, okay. Besides, I'm on my way to class. I've got a schedule to keep. So the bus stops, doors open, doors close, bus keeps going. And now I'm watching this crowd. And again, this just urging on the inside. Get off and go lay hands on that man. It's kind of easier just to stay on the bus. You know? Because you know what's on the bus? Not 50 or 60 people that are going to watch what happens when I lay my hands on this guy. No questions, just easy, quiet transportation. Came to the third stop, and now that, that knowing and kind of urgency has turned into a, I've got to do this. I, I mean, this is, I'm, I'm, I, need to, I need to do this. So I jump off the bus. Now I have to run kind of backwards to where this crowd is. I said 50 or 60, it was probably 40, about 40 people in this circle. As I approached, I thought, really should have stayed on the bus. <laughs> so there's a man, probably in his 50s, laying face down. And when I say face down, I'm like, like nose just, you know, on the sidewalk. No one's touching him. They're all just like standing around like they're Levites. <laughs> Good Samaritan joke. You, Sunday school, you'll get it. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm there. Let's go. <laughs> Might as well. So I walk over. I'm walking towards his head. And I reach out my hand. And I put my hand on the top of his head. Now, I'm not a doctor. I don't even play one on television. I have no idea what's wrong with this guy. I don't know how long he's been there. I don't know what happened. I just know he's laying face down on the pavement. And I've got this urging to lay my hands on him. Well, fortunately, I had been studying and praying reading the scriptures about the name of Jesus. So I knew what to do once I got over the initial, like, eh, just stay on the bus. Put my hand on his head, and his head is cold. Now, Russia is cold, but not that day. Actually, it was mid, like June, bright sun, Kind of a hot day, and he's laying in the sun, and his head is cold. And this thought comes like, nope, just ignored that. You know, you can ignore thoughts. You know, thoughts can come in any in anyone's head, and you can control what you do with them by what you say. So I just, it's too late to do anything now except have victory. <laughs> so the Lord didn't tell me, you know, what to do other than lay your hands on him. So I put my hand on him. It's cold. And I said, in the name of Jesus, life. I just said, in the name of Jesus, in English, in the name of Jesus, life. That's it. This man is laying there and he goes, <gasps> and picks himself up, kind of looks at me, he rolled to his side, and he's sit sitting there on the sidewalk. I helped him up, and um, I helped him up. Some other people come, come around, and of course they're all speaking Russian, because that's what they do. 
And just then, the, my, the bus that I need, the next bus line comes. And it, it's coming and the doors, you know, the doors are going to open. So I turned, walked back to the bus, got on it, and went to the, went to the school. An interruption in my day, I mean, it wasn't that big of a deal, didn't take that long. But just being willing to step out. Let me tell you another story. Um, There's a couple, Lebanese couple right now that are pastoring in uh, a town about an hour away from Beirut, an hour outside of Beirut. Lovely couple. And they shared their testimony with Julie and I. Um, What, three weeks ago? 2019, this couple, it's 2019, not that long ago, this couple were sitting in a cafe arguing, and they were going to get a divorce. She was suffering from crippling anxiety. Um, She had problems with balance. She was struggling uh, physically and emotionally, depression. He was angry, uh, devout, very, very devout atheist, committed to the faith of atheism. And they're sitting in a cafe arguing. While they're sitting there, some American missionaries came in, not related to anything that we're doing. Um, they're from, they were from California. And they had they'd come to Lebanon to plan to, to work with some uh, refugee ministries, refugee outreach ministries. And when they got there, Everything closed. All these doors for them closed. There was a, a lot happening in the country at that time, and which they didn't know about because they were just short-term missionaries. And literally every door closed in their face. So you have like four or five people from a church. I believe they were from California, denominational church. And they were there to do basically humanitarian ministry. One of these ladies, they walked into this cafe to buy some bread. And one of these ladies just said later that she had this kind of urge to go over and talk to these people, this Lebanese couple who are arguing. Of course, they're speaking Arabic. They have no idea what's being said. He's got this urge to we'll talk to them. I don't want to talk to them. I mean, they're, you know, just a couple sitting there having conversation. When Arabic people speak, it always looks like they're arguing anyway, so you can't tell. I'm joking. Kind of. And anyway... She said later, she explained to this this couple, she got this idea that the two of them were like candles, and if she'd go over there and share Jesus with them, Jesus would set them on fire and it would light up the whole city, which is pretty good. So she did. She got one of her friends and they walked over and they said in English, hi, do you speak English? Interrupting the, the argument. And the, the woman, um, she, she turned and she looked and she, yeah. And they said, listen, um, can we pray for you? What? <laughs> she said, yeah, can we pray for you? And then the Spirit of God... This, this woman was not, she's not a prophet, not, you know, not, um, not anything 
special. She's a member of a church. That body that Jesus is the head of, through which he pours out his power and demonstrates his authority. So this member of a church gets this thing, this idea on the inside, and she's just willing to share it. She said, did you have a, a situation like, like with your mom? And she begins to share this story that no one knew. Now, 1 Corinthians 12 tells us what that is. That's a demonstration of the Spirit. It's called a word of knowledge. But she didn't know that necessarily. She didn't say, oh, wait, this is a 1 Corinthians 12.4 experience. No fast organ music, no slow, you know, like synthesizer music, no pads. <laughs> just, just coffee and like a cafe environment. But she said, did this, did this happen? Is it? And the, the young woman looks at her. She's like, how did you know that? No one knows that. My husband doesn't know that. And then again, she's just had this. She's, well, I just want you to know Jesus is the answer. That's simple, right? That's like on a refrigerator magnet somewhere. She didn't quote the whole book of Ezekiel to this lady. She just told him, Jesus is the answer. She said, can we pray for you? Yes. So they put their hands on her shoulder. She's still sitting at the cafe table. She's still like just minutes away from arguing with her husband and going to divorce. She's still in this place where she has trouble with depression, anxiety, imbalance, passing out, has all kinds of medications that she's on. They put their hands on her shoulder and prayed, in the name of Jesus. And as they're praying, simple prayer, in that majestic name, the name that is above every name, the name that every knee must bow, in that name, that woman said, something happened to me. And she knew she was delivered. Mark chapter 5, the woman with the issue of blood, when she reached out and she touched the hem, the, the edge of Jesus' clothes, the Bible says that she knew, she knew she was healed. So this woman, she's sitting there at the cafe, she knows she's delivered. Why? Because a member of a church allowed the head of the church to exercise authority and demonstrate power. They turned to her husband. Can we pray for you? Again, very devout, committed atheist. And he said, is it free? And they said, yes. He didn't say that because he was cheap. He said that because he had a prejudice against ministers and thought they're going to do this and then they're going to say, okay, now if you can give something. And he's like, I'm not paying for it. And they said, that's okay. And again, they got, exactly. They got some, that would have been a, that, somebody should have said that. They got a couple of the other team members and they just gathered around and they laid their hands on this man's shoulder and they prayed in the name of Jesus. They finished, they said amen. The missionaries gave this young couple their phone number and said, we're here, 
we're going to be in, in uh, this town for another three weeks, I think. If you have questions about the Bible or you'd like us to uh, pray with you again, just contact us. So they took the number. They got up and they started walking to their car. This woman said that as she was walking to her car, she was thinking, I'm completely healed. I'm completely delivered. Jesus has set me free. But my husband hates anything to do with Jesus, anything to do with, with religion. He's going to ridicule me. What's he going to say? Oh, what's going to happen? She's walking with her head down. It was cold. You might not think Lebanon is a cold place because it's in the Middle East, but it was actually snow. And it's not cold like it's been today, but there, that where they are, it was very, very cold. And they had snow on the ground. So she's trudging back to her car. They get in the car, and she kind of notices that her husband has tears streaming down his face. She said that immediately she thought, oh, he's gotten some, someone has messaged him and maybe someone in their family has died or something. She says, what happened? What's wrong? In Arabic, it's shusar. What happened? He looked at her, tears staining his face. He said, something happened to me when they prayed. And she said, something happened to me when they prayed. They sat there in the car and cried and wondered. That's what the Bible says, right? Signs and wonders. Where did that happen? It wasn't at a church event, but it was church work. It was church service because church members acted like a legislative assembly and demonstrated the authority of the keys of the kingdom. And they bound and loosed things. And they didn't have a lot of theology, quote scripture. It was the name, the name, the name. Do you know what that couple's doing now? They're pastoring a church they pioneered. 2019. January 6th, that happened January 6th, 2019. Today, that couple have 13 people in the ministry training center that we started on October 7th. That couple brings those 13 people to that, our ministry training center twice a month. They drive an hour and 30 minutes one way over a mountain. Like up over a mile, mile high pass to get to the school for ministry training. Why? Because while they were arguing and thinking about divorcing a couple of church members that live in the United States, but said, yeah, I'll go. I'll go to Lebanon and work with refugees. And then when they got there, they said, we can't work with refugees. Our whole trip was worthless. Hey, let's just go and pray for this couple. They spent three weeks with this couple, praying with them, doing Bible studies nearly every day. And that was their introduction to Christianity. And out of that, 
They just started a church in their home. And they outgrew it. And now they have a church and a cafe just for ministry. Why? Because Jesus is building the church. And he gave us a command to go. Where? I have to go to Lebanon? You're welcome. But how about just go where he says? Like off the bus, across the aisle, to the person that you work with. Whatever he says to you, do it. Do you know who said that? Jesus' mom, John chapter 2. On October 7th, anybody know what happened on October 7th? We launched a ministry training center in Beirut on October 7th. Of course, some other things happened on October 7th. And a lot of those things are just tragedy. And I was, I was reading uh, a news report uh, about what was happening in Gaza. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about sides, okay? Who, you know, rights. I'm just, I, I was looking at it and said, this is tragic. This is tragic. And I turned to the Lord in prayer and I said, Lord, this is, this is just awful. Specifically, the price that little kids are paying. And the Lord asked me a question that really challenged me. And I'll finish with this. He said, what about another child who grows up in a home and never knows want, or need. But only learns to live for himself. What about a man that has a great childhood, good education, gets the perfect job, and has seeming easy success all through life? And arrives at the age of 80. Pictures on his walls of loving grandkids. But he's never said yes to Jesus. And comes to the place where he breathes his last and steps out of this life into eternity, lost. Jesus asked that same question in the Gospel of Luke. He said, that's foolish. It's foolish to think that that day doesn't come. Because it is. Scientists and doctors agree. Ten out of ten people die. There's a lot of things that you can look at in the world and say, that's just wrong. That's wrong. It's wrong that it should be like that. It's wrong that it should be like that. I want to share with you, as we finish, Jesus' answer. We say that Jesus is the answer. Here's Jesus' answer for those wrongs. Here's Jesus' answer for those things that we look at, and that's a tragedy. Or we look at and we say, that shouldn't be like that. His answer is you. His answer is the message that you have. Now, I'm talking about the message you already have. Because when you say yes to Jesus, He empowers you with 
a ministry. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21, says that anyone that's in Christ is made new. Made new. And that newness results in a ministry. A ministry? You mean I have to get like letterhead and business cards? No. But what you do need to do is recognize that Jesus has picked you. And he's put an answer on the inside of you. And if you look around you and you see tragedy, you see things that are wrong, he picked you to fix it. And he's put in you a, a word of reconciliation. That's what Paul calls it. And that word of reconciliation is that God is not waiting for anyone to deserve what he's done. But he has put in us this message about Jesus. And if we'll just share Jesus, just the name of Jesus, just talk about Jesus, talk about who Jesus is, share what Jesus has done. He's irresistible. And we see this in John chapter 4 with the woman that no one would have picked. No one wanted to be around. John chapter 4, the woman that Jesus met at the well. But when she met Jesus and she had an encounter with him, she was suddenly empowered to go and affect the city that had rejected her. Jesus picked her to reach them. And she went into that town and she didn't have three points, four points, a great testimony story. All she said was, come meet the one who I met. You come meet him. Jesus is the answer and he has put that answer in you. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Thank you, Lord. How hungry are you? How willing are you that the head of the church would use you to demonstrate his authority? How open are you to change the way you spend your time, the way you give focus and attention to things? How willing are you to make changes so that he can use you, so that he can speak to you, so that he can speak through you? Bow your heads with me. I believe that dedicating ourselves to his work is not something that we can just do too much. Jesus made a fresh commitment to his Father's will right before he went to the cross. Maybe you're new to the things of God and new to the walk of Jesus. Maybe you've been doing this a long time. I want to challenge you to make a commitment to him tonight. A fresh commitment. It's one thing to call Jesus the Savior. But how about calling him Lord? You know what the difference is? That's where he is the boss. Where he calls the shots. Where when he says get off the bus, you get off the bus. Bow your heads with me. I'm going to pray for you, but I want you, don't just listen to me. You pray. Talk to the Lord. Your pastor is always encouraging. 
you to talk to the Lord. So let's use this time. You talk to the Lord. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift up this church to you. This church where you have placed your name. This church where you have put grace. This church, the assembly of your body in this place. Who you would use. Who you would choose to use to affect this city, this community. Lord, I pray for boldness. Boldness and that you would stretch out your hand to heal this city, to heal families in this city, to heal families and relationships, to heal bodies, to heal and correct things that the devil has meant for evil, that you would, through these hands, you would stretch out your hand and correct, 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 strengthen, Bind up that which is broken. Correct that which is wrong. In Jesus' name. Lord, I'm asking that you would use them. I'm asking that you would use them supernaturally. That you would fill this place with passion and power to see your name glorified and lifted up in these days. That we would be hungry for you, not satisfied with that which was before, not satisfied with what is just average, but we would press in for the fullness of what you have for us. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I lift up these prayers that are being prayed, these offers of commitment, and I say, do something with these. Use these. Lord, you can do anything. I'm asking that you use these. And you pour out on them vision. You pour out on them demonstrations of your power. You pour out on them the grace and manifold wisdom that you have for this place in these days. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. We magnify your name. We lift up your name. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor. I don't know what you came to expect tonight, but maybe God has more for you than what you thought. We're going to, over the next few moments, we're going to sing and worship in this place. I want you to just reach out to God. I want you to go further in Him. If you want someone to pray with you, I just want you to come up to this front area. We want to pray with you. We want to see God do wonderful things in your life. Do you believe He's going to do it? In Jesus' name, let's do it. Come on, let's pray. Let's reach out to Him. For more information about redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214 856 0550.